0: Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen and I'm in studio today with my husband, the lead pastor of High Point Church, Chris Conley. This is a part two of a podcast series that we are doing, a continuation of some behind the scenes look at our values and our mission as a church and as an organization. But what we're going to talk about is really can apply to any unit, a family, an organization, a church in our particular case. Chris, the the last podcast, our part one, we looked at four staff values. And if you'll remember the acronym of GRIT, that's what we talked about, of being grateful, responsible, innovative, and tenacious. But we have a job in front of us today to tackle discussing seven staff behaviors. What exactly do you mean by staff behaviors?
1: A value is of no value if it doesn't result in a behavior. So everyone talks about values, but we have to make sure those values express themselves in behaviors. So these are the seven behaviors that are expression of those values. They're kind of the end result of those values living in us.
0: Right there is a great takeaway as we are going to launch into the seven, but just for you to think in your own world, if you have values how are they actually being expressed? Are they just in your mind? Or are they just on the wall? And if so, maybe that's the next step for you, is to create the behaviors that would be the expression of those values. The first one is this, and I love it. Take it personally. How does that apply to your staff?
1: With each staff behavior once we look at take it personally, we really then answer that with a question. So the question oftentimes helps us really understand what we're talking about. So here's the question. How am I engaged in our vision and values? How am I engaged me personally? This is not my leader's vision and values. This is not the executive team's vision and values. This is not another team's vision and values. These are my vision and values. And how am I personally engaged? I have to make that vision personal to me. I have to make these values personal to me. In that regard, it's my job, even guess what, when it's not my job. It's my job because I take everything in this organization personally. And here's kind of a unique difference between an employee and someone who's kind of an owner of the values. When I walk up to our church, if there is trash on the ground, you better believe I pick it up. I am an owner. I am going to pick up the trash. My job title doesn't tell me to pick up the trash. I'm going to pick up the trash. Now, if someone walks by that trash and they don't pick up that trash, they're not owning our values.
0: The response, the extension of that is that. When you have one person who is being proactive, and that's really what you're talking about here. When you take it personally, you're proactive. You're not waiting for somebody else to pick up the trash. You're saying, no, I'm a part of this vision and I want to carry it out. And that may seem a little bit frightening to some people to think, oh my goodness, like how do you say yes to everything? Don't you overwork your entire team? Is that really realistic? But when you create a culture where that's everybody's attitude, you realize that you have a team of people and then you see those giftings come forward that yeah sometimes you're doing things that aren't on your job description but you get people in the right place and it's a beautiful thing to see everybody take it personally
1: right before we came here for the podcast someone walked into our church and i said may i help you they said i'm looking for the lobby i'm supposed to pick up some registration information for camp Currently, our lobby is under construction, and it's like literally a work zone. So instead of going, hey, why don't you go find so-and-so, or why don't you go here, or maybe this, or go to my assistant and say, hey, can you help this person? I said, let's figure this out together. And we walked down the hallway. We found the right person. We found the registration. We were proactive instead of passive because I take it personally, our vision and values.
0: And that leads to the second staff behavior, make it better how does that express itself
1: with your team the personal application of that you have to ask this question what am i doing i what am i doing to help us improve organizationally now there's all kind of people go i'm not very organized i don't have the gift of administration i don't care you have to say what am i doing to help us improve organizationally it's always about people and process people and process and when those two work together as two sides of one coin, we are improving organizationally. Now, Truett Cathy of Chick fil A says it this way, and I love it. He says, If we get better, we'll get bigger. You take it personally, I'm gonna help us get better. Organizationally. That means that last night when we had an event at the church and we have this construction going on in our lobby, the normal patterns of how people were going to get to the place where this event was taking place was disrupted. And I saw some team members create very creative signs that redirected people that were fun, that had photos on them, that just made fun of the whole thing. No one told them to do that, but they made it better they made it better and the reason why they made it better is they own the vision and the values
0: goes back to particularly as we're talking about this in the context of a church you know people like oh bigger you know sometimes people like that and sometimes people don't bigger means more people hearing the gospel in our context we always want to know there are more people in the city of memphis and beyond that need to hear the gospel so we want to be bigger so that that means there are more
1: people here's what bigger means bigger means your son or daughter bigger means your brother or sister bigger means your mom or dad your grandfather or grandmother bigger means someone that you care about or would you just prefer we not care about them
0: we have take it personally, make it better. And then your third staff behavior, is be a team player. What question do you use among your team to help make sure that they are being a team player?
1: Where am I leveraging the strengths and skills of my teammates? Where am I leveraging the strengths and skills of my teammates? I don't have all strengths. I've got lots of weaknesses, okay? I cannot sing at all. Zero. But last night when we had the house, this 20-something worship event, there was incredible music there because we're leveraging the strengths of other people. If Chris Conley would have made the signs on those doors, they would not have been creative. They would not have had these cool pictures on them. They would not have had any of these arrows. It would have been this handwritten note that said, hey, go this way. you got to leverage people who have strengths that you don't have so that, now this is very important, it is okay for me as an individual to have weaknesses. It is not okay for my team to have weaknesses because, as a leader, it's my responsibility to complement my weaknesses with other people's strengths.
0: And I love seeing that as you have been able to look at different teammates and see their strengths. Even sometimes when they come on board and they're in a particular role, because there is this culture of being a team player, you can see sometimes maybe there's gifts that they have that we didn't even know existed within them that are needed within the organization. We can even move them to be in their place of their greatest strength. And that's a beautiful thing if you don't have people compartmentalized into little boxes and having to do just their role.
1: And that's why it's so important for us to value each individual and to understand there's a uniqueness that comes with each individual and that your strengths, Karen, are very unique and different than my strengths. And I need to value your strengths just as much as I value my strengths. So in that way, we design the job description. We design whatever the specific role and responsibility is around your strengths. And so what we've got to do is we've got to give a player, a teammate, something that he or she is able to do And demand that he or she does it. Now, that's not very nice terminology. Yeah,
0: that does seem like a strong word. And
1: demand that he or she does it. And the reason why we demand is God tells us to do all things in excellence unto the Lord. We are his stewards. We are his servants. We are serving the king. So we don't need to be irresponsible.
0: That goes back to the being responsible, your value there. This next one, I think, is one that is continually on our front burner because it is absolutely vital to the health of an organization. And that is the staff behavior to equip leaders. The whole concept of why it's important that your staff is continually building and equipping leaders.
1: Answer the question, who am I empowering? Who am I empowering? It's important for our teammates to know it's not their job to do the job. It's their job to equip people to do the job.
0: That's radically different than some organizations.
1: Exactly. Because in Ephesians chapter four, it tells us equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So staff are not the hired guns to do the work of the ministry for our church attendees or our church partners. That's not it. We have an army of servants, and our job is to equip the army that exists out there to go fulfill the mission of God. Ask yourself this question, who am I empowering?
0: Well, if I continue to do the same job over and over again, I run this event or this Bible study or I do this particular thing at some point in there i am beginning to rob other people within the body from having the opportunity to exercise their gifts to receive the blessing of seeing what happens when they are used. And I become, instead of one that's equipping leaders, I'm kind of a bottleneck to developing leaders that are all within us. And then we are actually accidentally teaching people to just sit. And that is something that as we grow, we have to have strong leaders. We have to have more and more leaders to lead more and
1: more people. So the blessing and the curse, of being A preacher, a communicator is at times you use alliteration to remember things. In the world of equipping leaders, let me give you five E's that is kind of the process that we encourage our leaders, our teams to follow in order to equip people. First, you have to enlist people. All right. So you've got to have a vision and you've got to have certain roles and responsibilities and you enlist them to be on the team. Now, once you enlist them to be on the team, you have to equip them accordingly to their specific strengths and according to their specific gifts. So you enlist them, you equip them. Once you equip them, then you employ them to go fulfill their role and responsibility. You employ them to go do the job. You employ them to go accomplish the mission. Once you employ them then the role turns a little bit more toward coaching where now you're empowering them. You're getting developmental feedback about what's working, what's not working. You're encouraging them. You're complimenting them. You're empowering them. You're giving them more and more resources and more and more leadership development to help them get better and better at what they do. And then lastly, you encourage them because when you encourage people, you're putting courage in them discouragement takes courage out of them you're putting courage in them and that's like fuel in the gas tank
0: there's a young woman that has been a faithful member she's actually been a part of our staff at different points of time right now she's in a season of motherhood and she's able to be home with her kids i've seen this lived out and i've thought if i was still trying to be responsible and hold that role in each of the different areas that i was responsible for I was going to do, on a scale of 1 to 10, a 5 if I had too many leadership roles. And instead of giving somebody a 10, I'm giving two different groups a 5. Jill came along, and I saw the strengths and the gifts and the talents within her that she could actually be someone to come up under me, apprentice under me, and then take it, spread her wings, and be a leader in her own right. It is a beautiful thing when you see it walked out and something we want to encourage to be replicated over and over again in the life of our church
1: the church would not be the church today if jesus didn't equip peter james and john they were his three then he equipped the 12 and all of a sudden that turned into 120 and that turned into 3000 and that's the rest of the story
0: i love seeing it when it works and when it's in action and for it being a value that we have that actually is carried out in a behavior So we've looked at four of our staff behaviors, and the fifth staff behavior is a little bit different context than it might look on the front end, and that is strive for progress. Now, what do you mean about striving for progress when it comes to our staff behaviors?
1: The question will elaborate on that word progress. So listen to the question. Am I taking care of myself spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, and emotionally? Let me repeat that because that's very important. Am I taking care of myself spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, and emotionally? It doesn't matter how successful we are as leaders if our internal world is collapsing. We have to build a strong foundation, and we have to constantly reinforce that foundation. And in the world of Christian leadership, we need to model what we teach. So if we teach the abundant life, yet we aren't experiencing the abundant life, there's a contradiction there. If we teach about healthy marriages, we need to have healthy marriages. If we teach about what it means to be a good father, a good mother, we need to do everything we can to model that. In this way, what we're simply trying to do to allow the truths of God to impact us first. And sometimes we get so busy with the work of God, we neglect the work of God in us we've got to do is always reprioritize God working in us first before we work for God in others.
0: Anyone who has ever been on a staff at a church before knows that that's really sometimes overlooked in a staff, that value. It's kind of just assumed. And I love the fact that we are very upfront about it, very verbal about it, keep it in front of our team. Because honestly, there is a place where if you are not making progress in your own personal development in all of those areas that you've just mentioned, you aren't going to have anything to give. And you're not going to be able to be grateful and responsible and innovative and tenacious because you've just given and given and there's nothing that's being poured back in you. And so the health of our team is incredibly important. And I love the fact that you value that.
1: And as we think about the health of that team, it always goes back to just simply abiding in Christ. Our devotion in life determines our direction in life. What we're devoted to must be the driving force of our life. And then when we look at the truth in John 15 about abiding in Christ, that we see the key to abundance is abiding. It's staying and remaining in Christ. So that just has to be the core heartbeat of everything. There's going to be different points in time if you are a staff member at High Point Church. And even as we look at the Love Works organization, there'll be different points in time that if you enter into a challenging season, a season where you're struggling, a season where there's something unhealthy, then we're going to stop for a moment. And we're going to look at you as a person, not just as an employee. And we're going to try to help you as a person rebuild the foundation. And then we're going to work over time patiently with the employee aspect of it.
0: I value that. And I know that everybody else on the team does because it's the right way to treat people and the right way to help them grow in their walk so that they can help others grow in their walk. All right. The next value is be focused. And flexible, which I am not the best at either one of those. Apply that in the way that would be understandable for your context of your staff.
1: And I hope everybody sees the obvious tension that exists between focused and flexible, right? Quite a contradiction. So listen to the question. How do I manage the tension triggered by new ideas, innovation, and change? There is a tension there. We want to be focused on the mission of God. But when we enter the battlefield of the mission of God, then we've got to be flexible. Because when you're on the battlefield, the battle plan, the strategy changes all the time because the enemy's always counterattacking. The enemy's always doing something different. So what you have to do is you have to follow the commander's intent. That's what they teach you in the military, that when you're the soldier on the ground, you know what the commander's intent is. So you have freedom to change the plan in order to fit the context as long as you follow the commander's intent. And so we've got to be focused and flexible. But since we are an organization, if you go back to our four staff values, and we value innovation, innovation is going to constantly be creating change. Innovation is going to create an environment and a culture where we're willing to take risk and we're willing to try new things.
0: And that flexibility is something that helps us to be able to be innovative if you're not flexible you're going to have a hard time being innovative
1: in that world of flexibility let me give this picture imagine that you are up to bat it's baseball you're in the batter's box you're standing at the plate and you know this pitcher is really really good at throwing fastballs and you're prepared for a fastball but he throws a curveball well do you refuse to swing You have to learn to hit the curveball. You can't just say, no, I only hit fastballs. No. So what we do is we choose to hit the curveball. And not only do we choose to hit the curveball, we're going to swing for the fences. And there's going to be times that we hit a pop fly and we're out. But I'd rather fail five times and get something right one time that's really, really big. Because that really, really big is going to carry me over the fence. It's going to carry me over the wall. And it's going to be a grand slam. We're going to drive all the runners in. And so sometimes I'm willing for the small failures because failure is okay as long as you fail forward. Don't fail the same way twice, learn from your failure, get up and fail forward. So that's important for us to understand that structure submits to spirit in the context of like church leadership. We've got a plan for every Sunday morning. And in that plan for every Sunday morning, we've got a certain structure and we're prepared to follow that structure. But if the spirit of God wants to lead a little bit different, the structure will submit to the spirit of God and that creates focus and flexibility.
0: And when you have a team that has embraced these behaviors and these values, there's just an understanding of that. And I think that is a great example of both focused and flexible is even how a Sunday morning is carried out. As we move to the last staff behavior, this is such an important one for every single human being, and that is to normalize conflict. What is the question that drives that particular behavior, and how is that fleshed out on a staff team?
1: How do people feel about me and about themselves after I've engaged with them in conflict? Ooh, man, that is an all important question right there. Mm. How do people feel about me and about themselves after I've engaged with them in conflict? Now, here's the important thing to understand about conflict conflict's normal. There's conflict on a church staff. Absolutely. You know why there's conflict? Because there are very smart, innovative, Competent, competitive people, and there's no way all those people have the same idea. And they're gonna fight for their idea and they're passionate people and they love what they do. So there's times in a staff meeting, I see tension coming, I get kinda excited. And I go, Oh, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second. Hey, do y'all feel that tension? I kinda want you to know for just a moment that this tension is a good tension. This tension's okay. This tension's good. Let me give you two things about conflict. There is a safety zone in conflict and a danger zone. The danger zone is when all of a sudden we are attacking the person instead of the problem. The safety zone is when we are addressing the problem and not attacking the person. And so there's times I call timeout and I go, this is good conflict. This is normal conflict because this is safety zone conflict. This is two smart people fighting for the best solution. And then there's other times that if it's danger zone conflict, I try to point out go, whoa, whoa, wait a second. We just went from solving the problem to attacking a person. We've got to believe the best about the person. And we've got to address the problem
0: and the topic of normalizing conflict that goes for your marriage your friendships your employees everybody in your life if you can take that value with you you will be far ahead of of where you are if if you just kind of put your head in the sand and think oh conflict is horrible and bad no it is a part of life where there are two intelligent people with different opinions so let's just make sure that we keep it in the
1: safety zone and let me close with one more thought before you wrap up for us today here are the results of healthy conflict conflict is an opportunity to gain loyalty when you handle conflict well you actually become more loyal to that person because you respect them because you were able to disagree with them but still come to a solution conflict is an opportunity to gain loyalty listen health is not the absence of conflict Health is how one responds to conflict.
0: I hope this has been really interesting for those who maybe are High Point attenders or really attend any church to know the inner workings of our particular organization. But I hope beyond that that there have been truths and behaviors that we have mentioned today that you will take and apply to your life and to where you are that will help you to be the woman or man of God that you desire to be. That will do it for this particular podcast. If you want more information about High Point, we encourage you to go to HighPointMemphis.com. If you'd like to follow Chris or myself with our blogs, you can go to ChrisConley.net or KarenConley.com. But above all else, we want to encourage you to remember that love God plus love people equals love works.